as you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter eight, uh, kind of start off asking you a question, kind of an honest question in church. Has this year kind of, have you found that this year cost something that you didn't expect for it to cost? This year, as you're looking back, we're in October. If you're like a financial person, you, you, that means we're in the fourth quarter. I think financial people are the only people who think about quarters. I don't know if that's true. Anyways, fourth quarter. Shout out NBA finals, fourth quarter. <laughs> as we look back over the first three-fourths of the year, I think that uh, we could all be honest and say this, this year has cost us some things we didn't expect to pay. Some things have frustrated you this year you didn't anticipate frustrating you. Is that just me or is that you too? <laughs> If you found yourself scared of something you didn't plan on being scared of this year, if that's been your story, just shout, shout me down in church, say, that's my story, pastor, that's my, that's my story. That's my story too this year, honestly, as I look back on the 2020 I've had so far, as I sit here on October 11th, uh, every day up till this day hasn't looked like I thought it was gonna look. <laughs> and as I'm looking at the story this year, I'm realizing that's some of my story. But as I'm looking at the story of this year, I'm seeing that, that what's maybe a more accurate thing to say is that that's, that is my story, but that's only part of the story. It's not the whole story. It's not the whole story. Does anybody in church have something to be thankful for this morning that you didn't plan on being thankful for? I'm finding things I didn't anticipate being thankful for some of the things that I'm now thankful for on October 11th. Anybody have a, a job that you used to complain about that now you're really just thankful for? A friend that maybe you weren't that close with, but now you've all of a sudden gotten a little bit closer. Maybe there's been some friends that have fallen off, but there's been something that's gone deeper. Am I right? You didn't plan on, you didn't plan on that. You, you fought a battle you didn't expect, but it turned out into a lesson you didn't plan on either. You got something to be thankful for this morning. You're thankful for something you've gained this year that you didn't plan on gaining. You gained a perspective that you didn't have on January 1st. You maybe picked up a new hobby. Shout out hobbies. Come on. A new hobby you didn't have. You can be thankful for that. A new rhythm in your life. I've heard so many people talk about how quarantine is so bad in so many ways, but there was some, there was some new rhythms, some family rhythms, some new personal rhythms, some new health rhythms that got put in place. There's, there's a lot to be thankful for that I didn't plan on this year. There's, my priorities have shifted. You have new priorities in your life. You didn't plan on some of these things shifting. They got shifted for you, but in all honesty, you could be thankful. You could be thankful for a lot of that stuff. I, have you found a deeper peace in God this year than you planned on finding that you can be thankful for in church this morning? Is there anybody in the house of God this morning that can look back on October 11, 2020, look back on 2020, even in a year that did not go the way that you thought it would go and you still have something to be thankful for. You've still got shoes on your feet to be thankful for. You still had a breakfast this morning you, you can be thankful for. You still have somebody you can call today that you can be thankful for. You still have a hope in this life that is bigger than you even thought it was. And you can be thankful for that this morning. If that's anybody in church, tell me that's my story. Pastor, that, that's, that's my story. That's my story. That's, that's my story. That's my story for sure. And, and is there anybody in church this morning, even you online, shout out everybody again, anybody this year that as you're looking back, even if right now is the first time you looked back and found something to be thankful for, as you're looking back and finding something to be thankful for that you didn't plan on being thankful for, is anybody noticing that as you're looking back and getting full of thanks, it fills you with more faith as you look forward to the future? Isn't that amazing how that works? As I'm looking back, getting full of thanks. As I'm looking back and becoming thankful, 
full, I'm finding myself looking forward more faith-filled. And that's what I wanna talk to you about this morning. Write this at the top of your notes. Thankful and faith-filled. Touch your neighbor and say, thankful, and now shout at me, faith-filled. Thankful and faith-filled in church this morning. Amen. Now I'm gonna read a few verses in 2 Corinthians chapter eight. I just thought I'd preach you a good message before I even got to the scripture for this morning, just in case you cut out early. (laughs) Second Corinthians eight, verse one through seven. This is written by a man named Paul. He's written to a church that he had started and he had moved on to start other churches. So he's writing them a letter to kind of pastor them and teach them through life. And now God is using this text to teach us and pastor us this morning. Just for the sake of being different, we're not gonna stand for the word of God this morning. Just because 2020 is keeping me guessing. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God. Anybody know about the grace of God? Oh, Jesus. We're all gonna get saved at the end of this. Amen. We want you to know, brothers. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God this morning. And he goes on, that has been given to the churches of Macedonia for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, you excel in faith, in speech, and in knowledge, and all earnestness, and in our love for you. See that you excel in this act of grace also. Amen. At the beginning of every October, the start of every fourth quarter here at church, we have a rhythm uh, of getting stirred up as we look back on the year we've had. We get stirred up in thankfulness. And we like to get stirred up full of faith as we start the fourth quarter of every year. We begin every year in January talking about a word that the Lord gives us for the year. I don't know if you remember that there was a January this year. A long time ago, about four years ago, there was a January this year. And uh, our word of the Lord that, that God gave us for this year and even this decade was the gloves are off. And we didn't really know what that meant, but it's been one of those years. It's just like everything, it's, we're going. We're going hard. The gloves are off. And every year, so we start our year with the word of the Lord, and every year we end our year in December with a year-end offering to step into the coming year of faith, or to step into the coming year with faith. We don't know what this year is gonna hold, but we believe God's moving. And so beforehand, we're gonna act in faith and just be a part of it. That's what we wanna do. And we call that offering at the end of our year, every year, seat at the table. Seat at the table offering, because we believe that church is a family, that every single one of us has a part to play, that every single one of us is a part of what God's calling us to next year, whatever that's gonna look like. And so our act of faith as a family is saying, all right, let's all pull up our own seat at the table and let's get full of thanks for what God has done this year. Let's get full of faith for what God's gonna do in the future. And let's all pull up our seat and just contribute what it is that we have to give as a part of this family. Everybody has a part to play in the family. Amen, church. So that's how we end our year. And uh, that's what we talk about at the beginning of October. That's what today is all about, talking about what God is gonna be moving us forward in the future and our seat at the table offering coming up. And just to make you extra scared, I want you to pull out your wallet. And I promise you we're not taking up an offering today. But I am serious. Take out your wallet. I brought mine. I brought mine. Uh, I, I like to try to do illustrations when I can, but I couldn't bring your wallet. So I brought mine. 
but you brought yours, all right? So we'll bring this out a little bit later. And I just thought I'd have you get it out then just to make you extra weird out, weirded out. <laughs> all right, get the baskets. <laughs> Lock the doors, nobody leaves. <laughs> Money is one of the most talked about things in the whole entire Bible. And that makes a lot of sense because it's the most, one of the most thought about things in your entire life. Am I right? I appreciate that about the Bible. Money is, uh, money, money, is, money is an awesome tool. The Bible makes it very clear to us that money is an awesome tool, but it is a terrible master. Terrible master. And the, the word that the Bible uses talking about the mas- money being a master is this Greek word called mammon. Mammon. It's the word that is used in the scripture that you've probably heard before when Jesus says you can't serve God and money. He's, it's, it's not just money. He uses this word mammon. And mammon, the word, it's not just a word talking about physical money. It's actually like a spiritual word. There was actually like gods of the time and other nations that would use this word or words like it, like the God of riches. It's the spirit behind riches that God's talking about, that Jesus was talking about in this moment. And, and that makes sense because you know, mammon isn't just money and money isn't just money. It's not just like paper. It's not just coin. It's not just plastic. We, we all, we, we, we know that. Money, mammon, what, what God's talking about when you can't serve God, you can't, you can't serve God and money, it's, it's the spirit behind the riches, meaning it's the promises that money makes you that only God can keep for you. It's the promise of identity, the promise of security, the promise of joy, the promise of fulfillment, the promise of safety and happiness. Are you, you following what I'm saying? That's, the, that's, that's what mammon is. It's, it's the spirit that's making you promises that only God can keep. And it may sound weird to talk about there's being a spirit behind money, but let's be real. If, the, if money was just physical, how does it talk so loud? <laughs> how does money talk so loud in your life if it's just physical? How does it scream in your ear so loudly? Every time you try to save it instead of spend it. Oh, come on, somebody. Amen, somebody. <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> okay. That's when I hear that voice really loud. It's like, nah, bro. Don't do that. That's boring. <laughs> All right, let's be honest. I don't know. <laughs> See, mammon isn't the money that you have. Mammon is the money that has you. And God is passionate about leading his people in mastering money instead of being mastered by money. That's why he talks about it so much in his word. And God has given his people, he's given you and he's given me two weapons of mass destruction against mammon. I'm preaching good. So that's why I had you pull out your wallet. I want you to hold up your wallet. Hold up your wallet, everybody. Say, we're gonna just break spiritual bondage off of our life. And if that sounds weird, it probably sounds weird to other people too next to you, but we're doing it anyways, because it's for real. We just read it in the Bible. We're just gonna make a declaration this morning. So repeat after me. Money is not my master. And I want you to say this. My wallet is a weapon. My wallet is a weapon. That's all I had you get it out for. But you're gonna remember that. I want you to, I want you to remember that. Your money isn't your master. Your wallet is a weapon. God's given you and God's given me lots of instructions on how to do all the various different things with money. And we're not talking about all of it this morning. There's lots of books with smarter people who talk about all that kind of stuff. We're just talking about a couple of things this morning, the two weapons of mass destruction that God has put into your hands to defeat mammon, not just in your life, but in our world. The first weapon of mass destruction that God has given us is called the tithe. 
in the Bible. The tithe, it means the, the first 10% of increase, giving that back to the house of God. And we talked about this at the beginning of uh, quarantine when the pandemic hit, because how many of you know money can get weird in church? We can get weird about money. I mean, I feel it right now already. It's like, oh gosh, here we go. <laughs> we talked about it though at the beginning of the pandemic when we were like, hey, just if, you know, so many jobs were changing and being lost and all kinds of things. And we, we talked about this as a church a little bit. We just said, hey, if your income goes down, don't feel bad if your tithe goes down. Like God is not mad at you if that happens and, and, and that's okay. And in the same sense, if, if God is giving you income, then go ahead and tithe off of that because tithe is a weapon in our life. It's not a measurement of holiness and all of that kind of stuff. It's a weapon that God has given us because uh, the Bible makes it clear that the tithe is not actually us giving back to God our first 10%. What the Bible teaches us is that our first 10% actually still belongs to God. And the test is, will you trust me? Will you trust me? Will you recognize that you didn't get this by yourself? And it's not because God needs my money. I don't have enough money for God to need my money. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, somebody. None of us do. None of us have all the money that God needs. But Jesus makes it really clear. Your money or your treasure or your, your heart is where your treasure is. And what God's after is my heart. And he knows how much of a sucker I am for that mammon thing. <laughs> and how easy it is for me to listen to those lies of who I should be trusting in, of who I should be thanking for all my hard-earned money, of who I should be thanking and entrusting in for my provision. And so God puts this rhythm in my life, this weapon of mass destruction, this little rhythm to say, every time that I do this, I'm breaking things off my life. I'm stepping into freedom. I'm, I'm breaking the stronghold off my life of falling into some of these lies about who God is and how great I am. And it's putting my priorities in a perspective. I'm returning to God what is his. I do not keep it back from him, but I give it to him. And in Genesis chapter four, verse seven, there's a story you probably know about Cain and Abel, these two brothers. They, they both bring offerings. Abel's is received by God. Cain's is not. And then they go off and Cain kills Abel and that's bad, but we're not talking about that this morning. It's not, anyways, <laughs> we're not talking about that this morning. But God says something so interesting to Cain because Cain gets really mad at God when he realizes his offering wasn't accepted to God. And it says that Cain, or Abel brought his first fruits to the Lord, but it says in time, Cain brought something, a little different heart attitude. You see what I'm saying? And God comes to Cain and he says this in Genesis four, verse seven. He's talking about why he's so angry and, and, and God's trying to set him free. And he tells him, he says, hey, if you do well, will you not be accepted? Like I've made it clear all it is that you need to do. And if you do not do well, Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. God's saying, hey, I'm glad to give you all of this, but also know that at the door is sin crouching to try to capture your heart. And so I need you to rule over that sin so that you can use and be free with what I have given you. And so he's reminding him, I have given you a weapon. Bring me your first fruits and you will step into the freedom to use everything it is that I'm giving you. You won't be held onto by the lies about who God is that mammon tells you that he's not good enough. He's not gonna provide enough. You don't have enough to do that. How, if he really wanted you to give, he'd give you a little bit more because he's kind of far off. You see what I'm saying? He says, Cain, there's something that's trying to devour you at the door and I'm putting this rhythm in your life to help you rule over it so that you remember how good that I am. You remember how well provided for you are. That's the first weapon 
in our life that God has given us. The second weapon of mass destruction that God gives us against mammon in our lives is offerings. Offerings. You have probably read about this in the Bible. We just read that in 2 Corinthians 8. That's what 2 Corinthians 8 is about. Paul is writing to this church and he's talking to them about, about an offering. And there's a lot more backstory to it, but I didn't feel like it was right to read like three whole chapters to give all the backstory, but that's what Paul's talking about. An, an offering that's outside of the tithe. And really from Genesis 4 all the way through the last page of the Bible, this is a consistent rhythm of the people of God that God puts into their life. So the tithe is the regular, every week, every month, whatever. It's just when I get increased, I give something back to God. It's just, that's just what, it's just what I do. It's, that's the rhythm and the priority and the rhythm of my life. The offering is something different and it could be a zillion different types of things depending on all kinds of stuff, you know? Sometimes it's, they're, they're giving offerings to the temple or there's a, there's a project that's going on. There's, there's a specific thing that the people of God are gonna give to. They're taking up an offering for um, a specific ministry in the church to the poor or for something else. To take up an offering to send to a different church and other believers who need help. They take up offerings to take care of each other's needs. I mean, it's just kind of any, any old thing, any type of, other stuff outside of the tithe. And the Bible talks about this as the offering. And I love 2 Corinthians chapter eight because it teaches us so much about how we need to think about this because in our own weirdness and what I believe is the lies of the spirit of mammon is that what mammon tries to convince us in our life is that giving is motivated by obligation and guilt. That's what God's doing with giving. God's, God's trying to get you obligated to give and he's trying to make you feel guilty if you don't. That's the voice of the devil in your life. That is the voice of mammon that we're trying to destroy in our lives. Obligation and guilt. But what the Bible teaches us, what the Lord says is that he's actually using giving to help us be thankful and faith-filled. That's what he's trying to teach us. Giving is supposed to be, what it, what it is, it's not, it's not, giving is a response to thankfulness. It's not a fulfilling of an obligation. It's a response to thankfulness, not fulfilling an obligation. Because I can't give if all I see is how empty I am. No, 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 I'm, I'm not empty, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for what God has given me. I can't do much about what God hasn't given me, but I can be thankful about what God has given me. I'm thankful that God has given me not just what I need, but God has given me enough for me. I am thankful that not only has God given me enough for me, but God has given me enough to be a part of what he's doing outside of me. I'm not empty, I am thankful. And I'm gonna respond to this thankfulness and realize that I am not on my own. I am thankful. I have the chance to be a part of what it is that God's doing in your life or in that thing. I I am not empty. I am thankful. I'm not giving because I'm obligated to. I am giving because I'm responding to how much I have to be thankful for. And the Lord makes it clear that when we give, when we respond out of thankfulness, it's this giving that makes us faith-filled. It doesn't make us empty. It makes us faith-filled. It doesn't make you guilt-free. Jesus already did that. Your giving doesn't make you guilt-free. God's not guilting you into anything. Jesus already took care of that. The result of giving is not, oh gosh, good. Now I got God off my back. It's no, now I'm filled with faith 
for what God is going to do. When I give, it fills me with faith by reminding me that my life is always bigger than me. What God's doing in my life is bigger than what he's just doing in me. My faith is in something bigger than my circumstance. I have faith that God's doing more than I can see. Money doesn't rule over me every time I take charge of it and I'm thankful and I give it away. I get filled with faith that not just that God's got enough to take care of me, maybe if he would see me out of his great high heavens, but actually God is near. God is generous. God is with me and I have the chance to not just be thankful, but filled with faith that I get to be a part of what God's doing in your life as well. I have faith when I give that God is present. I have faith when I give that God is moving. And I have faith when I give that God is not done moving. Not only is he not done moving, but I have the opportunity to be a part of the next thing that he's about to do. If you don't tithe, I don't know how else other to say it, but then to really encourage you to start doing it. Take steps towards doing it and just Watch, oh, beat the devil. That's a weapon. Put that thing to work. If giving to church or giving to other people or other ministries or other things in your life, if that's not a part of your life at all, I can't help but encourage you to do it. And I want you to be really encouraged. I'm not done teaching on this, so we're about to get even more encouraged. I knew the money sermon would be a little quieter, but I'm still gonna preach because I know it's encouraging. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 12. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 12. It says for, because we get questions when we're talking about give. It's like, oh gosh, okay, well, when do I give? Because I get asked all the time, when, when do I give? Do I give every time, some of the time, 30% of the time, 34% of the time? What does God need out of me? But we gotta change the paradigm because that's not the framework we're working in. Amen? Because this isn't an obligation that we're working with. This isn't guilt we're working with. What does 2 Corinthians 8 verse 12 says? It says, for if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what the person has, not according to what he does not have. When do I give? When you're ready. Amen. That sounds like fun. How much do I give? Okay, okay, when do I give? How much do I give? Because sometimes some people ask me for something. If I can't give all of what they need, I feel bad. And then I'm like, I can't do everything. So I don't know if I'm gonna do anything. Because if I just do a little, am I the only one that has these thoughts in my head when I, think, when I start thinking about money? Verse eight, or chapter eight, verse 12 tells us a little bit about that too. It says, according to what you have, not what you don't have. Well, praise God. So I give when I'm ready to give whatever I do have to give. 2 Corinthians 9, verse seven says, each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So how often should I give? Every time you're ready to do it. And how much should you give? Whatever's in your heart. Whatever you can do with a smile, whatever you can do with faith and say, God, I thank you for this opportunity to give whatever it is that you've given me to give in this moment. I'm ready, I've got it. And now I can smile and joyfully give because I'm thankful that I'm in this moment and I'm full of faith for what it is that you're about to do. God has rigged the giving system so that it is impossible for it to actually be legalistic. <laughs> what a crazy good God. See, when you use these weapons of mass destruction against mammon, you become a weapon of mass participation in the kingdom. The system is rigged. I say that all the time. Why don't you just go ahead and put that in your notes. Make sure you write that down this morning. The system is rigged. God's so good. So every year we end our year with our seat at the table offering. That leads us to the end of our year. And 
So I've got a lot to cover. I'm gonna do it pretty quickly. And uh, I got a tightrope to walk right here because some of you really like love the numbers and the details and information. And some of you are like, oh, this is so boring. So I'm gonna try to do both. Just kind of like balance beam. So just cheer me on as we do this. My goal is to be really brief uh, and give you some more information. If you want more questions about what it is that we go over in these next couple of minutes, feel free to reach out. And if you're already like, oh, this is the part that like, I don't really care about numbers and all these kinds of things. Like just pay attention because I promise you'll be really encouraged by, by some things that you've been able to be a part of. So I'm gonna do that for you. So just framework for, for our church and how we think about money and the money that we spend that comes in. We've got three main, three main uh, budget categories that we break everything down into that we then measure kind of and evaluate and set goals and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I'm not going into all of that. But the three categories are number one, the category is people. People, so like that's payroll, money we give in Acts 2 giving or benevolence to help pay somebody's rent in the city or uh, money that goes directly, basically cash that goes to a person. Pretty simple, people, that makes sense. So people, people. The, the second category would be ministry budget. So money that is used to help people do the ministry that God's given them to do. So whether that's different categories or different uh, ministries in our church or organizations that we support outside of our church. And the third is facilities. So rent and maintenance and all that stuff to help us house the different things that we all do around here. So we got people, ministry budgets, and facilities. So on the average month over this last year, the... Um, the way that that broke down on an average month was, is this all going up at the same time? I didn't practice this very well. So uh, we've got our people in our ministry budgets and our facilities. So 66% of expenses went to people, 13% went to ministry budgets, and 21% went to facilities on an average month. So what that means is that 79% of every dollar goes directly to a person or empowering a person to do exactly what God's called them to do. Super encouraged by that. The other 21% goes to making some space for that stuff to happen. Super encouraged by that. So I hope you're encouraged by what you've been able to be a part of this year. One thing that I mentioned briefly in the people category was our Acts 2 fund that I just have to give an update on. So we have an Acts 2 fund as a church, which is a fund that we have set apart, that we uh, put money into regularly to make sure that we have cash on hand to try to contribute to the needs of different people inside of our church. So we do benevolence, that's kind of stuff outside of our church, but we like to take care of the needs inside of our church when different needs come up. And uh, we started that a couple of years ago. And I want you to know this year, um, when COVID hit, we put some extra cash in that account to get ready for or, you know, who knows what was gonna happen with your jobs or your mortgage or all the, what the government was gonna do or not do, right? I mean, who knows what's still happening? So we just, we're like, man, we wanna be ready to try to support each other. So this year, because of the giving that you just do regularly, we didn't have to take up an offering for this. But just during the quarantine months, you gave over $18,000 to people inside this church to help pay for groceries, pay mortgage, pay for rent, help people make it through a month where they lost income, all of that kind of stuff. So cool. So we, and, and that, that was every single person who asked, every time we got asked, we, we had money to give. So encouraging. And over the last couple of years since we started doing this, you've given to people in, in needs inside this church over $110,000. Super cool, way to go. So encouraging. So that's what this last year um, has looked like kind of on an average month. Um, we did our seat at the table offering last year and 
Every year, what we've done so far is we've kind of said, hey, here's some things we think God is calling us to next year that we're gonna try to catalyze with this offering that we took. So last year, there was five things that we were believing in faith that God was gonna move us into this year. And uh, we wanted to give to and see what God would do with us. So the first one was some additional space. And so you see the building project going on to make space for not only Antioch kids, but that's gonna be used for life group leader trainings, Antioch Discipleship School, young adults, youth, all kinds of space over there that uh, we're really excited excited about as the offices are running out of room for doing those sort of things. So we uh, took up an offering for that. You guys gave $135,000 last year during the seated table offering. And that is, that is currently the exact bid of what it's going to take to do that build out, which means it's completely paid for. And just to be continue encouraging you on that, our church has never had and currently does not have any debt because of the giving that you do. So encouraging, so fun. So you make an additional space for all of this kind of stuff. The second thing was youth. And we had started a youth life group. We wanted to keep building into that. That youth group has grown. These kids are crazy. They're outrunning most of us adults. So if you wanna get discipled, show up to youth on Wednesday nights. And we also got to bring on Trey Johnson. Uh, you know him from In the Know. But uh, Trey Johnson, as a, as a pastoral intern here, and he's taken over the youth and just doing an amazing job raising up leaders, discipling junior high and high school students. Third thing was young adults. We wanted to be building more into the young adults of our city. And shout out to Steph Hines, who has come on staff and done an amazing job leading that this year. So we started Remnant, our monthly gathering that happens this Thursday. It's been awesome. We have more life groups than we had last year, more life group leaders, more people being discipled. So encouraging what God's begun doing in the young adults. Fourth thing was we wanted to go from one to two services, which we did in January and February and March. And we did it originally because we needed more space for everybody who was coming. Little did we know that we actually needed two services in order to be able to come back from quarantine. So God took care of us there. We were ready because if we were just doing one service, we'd have too many people according to the guidelines and all of that kind of stuff. So praise the Lord that he led us in that way. So fun. The last thing was the that was going to the nations. And we plan on taking three trips uh, overseas this year. Clearly that didn't happen. But what was fun that we didn't anticipate was that God used the energy that we were gonna be putting into that to develop more of what we're doing online, which like I've said already, not only did he take us to two services so we could come back from COVID, but now about half of our church is online for all kinds of different reasons. And we had no idea that that was gonna happen. So it was just so fun to look back on this year and see that God has done so much, even in 2020. Even in 2020. God has done all of this stuff. He's been more faithful than we anticipated. And now as we get to look forward into 2021, thanks to COVID and quarantine and even just this online stuff, it's been so exciting to be able to be clarified in what some of what God's calling us to next year. I want you to know there are nine apartment complexes within a mile and a half of this door, not to mention a 1.2 million square foot mall in our backyard, not to mention the neighborhoods and workplaces and friend groups represented by you. So we're really excited next year. We don't know exactly what this is gonna look like, but we are coming for every single person's cell phone in Castleton. We're gonna make it impossible for you to come into Castleton and not get faced with the love of Jesus. We're going online and a lot of different ideas and ways and all that kind of stuff. And so I just want you to know your friends are gonna have a front door in their pocket this coming year. And so let's go for it. Let's go for it. We're so excited to see what God's gonna do as we're able to reach and love our city. Even in 2020, God did all that. Weapons of mass participation. Hallelujah. I don't know if your life felt small this year, but that was God, that's what God was doing with you. 
So as we're getting ready for this year's seat at the table offering, we're gonna do things a little bit differently uh, than we've done them in the past because it's 2020 and everything's different. In the past, we've had clear initiatives like I just shared with you and uh, dollar amounts that we feel like God's put on uh, the radar for us to be going after. But this year, it's a little different. We've got lots of ideas of what next year could look like. But if anything's, if we've learned anything this year, it's that you don't know what next year's gonna look like. <laughs> so we've got lots of ideas. Um, but so the goal for this year for seat of the table as we come up to this offering here in a few weeks is not that we reach a certain dollar amount for a specific, for a specific initiative or for a group of initiatives. The goal is that we use this offering as a church to end 2020 thankful and faith-filled. Thankful and faith-filled. On December 13th, we're gonna take up our offering together, which if you've never been here for Seat at the Table Give Day, is like one of the most fun. Oh man, it's so fun. So uh, we, everybody brings their own check and we all give together. Oh, it's so fun. So you don't wanna miss church December 13th. We're gonna have our annual giving day where we give together as a family. Every single one of us has an opportunity to pull up our seat at the table of this family and to look back on this year and have our hearts get full of thanks. And when God does that, when God fills our hearts full of thanks as we look back, he can't help but fill our hearts with faith for the future. And when that happens, it's just an opportunity to joyfully commit to whatever it is that God's bringing us into next. So I wanna challenge you and encourage you to be praying over these next nine weeks from today up until December 13th about how it is that you wanna participate if this is your church family. And as you're praying about this offering, I want to encourage you to not just pray about the money. Obviously, you can't pray about giving without praying about the money. So yeah, I'm gonna be praying about the money too. But don't just pray only about the money because this offering and giving in general, as we can see, it's not about the money. This isn't just about giving money and helping God do what it is that he needs to do. He can do it without my money, but he wants my heart. This is an exercise of worship. This is an exercise of worship to ask God, Lord, would you teach me how to look back on 2020 and not be scared, not just be disappointed. Yes, there were some things that it cost me I didn't plan on, but what are the things that I have to be thankful for? Fill me with thanks as I look back on this year. And God, as you fill me with thanks, would you fill me with faith for the future? Too many people are looking back at 2020 and instead of seeing things to be thankful for, all they see is the pain and what it's cost, and that is real. But when that's all we look at, it gives us nothing but hopelessness for the future. And God is raising up a people of faith who will look forward knowing that God is still on the move. No matter what this last year looked like and what it cost, God was still moving. And that means that no matter what is coming in the future, God is still moving. That's what God's doing in his church right now trying to raise up a people who are thankful and faith-filled. So as you pray over these nine weeks, I want you to be praying about that. And as you do, and your hearts get full of thanks and your hearts get full of faith, just do what God is leading you to do. And know that as he's leading you, whatever it is and whatever it isn't, know that he's inviting you. He's inviting you to give according not to what you don't have, but just what you do. And then just decide in your heart what it is that you wanna give and then give it cheerfully as an act of thanks and an act of faith, knowing that as you give, 2 Corinthians 9 verse six says that God is able 
to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. I want you to stand as we wrap up our time this morning. As we step into worship, I don't wanna end just thinking about an offering on December 13th. I want to ask you today how it is that you can respond and what God might be highlighting in your heart today, not just with giving money, but what do you need to give thanks for this morning? What can you give thanks for that maybe you didn't realize you had to be thankful for? In these few minutes, I believe God wants to start doing a mighty work in our hearts, individually and corporately. I believe he wants to do a mighty work where he's gonna come in and it's not erasing all of the things that have been hard and all of that kind of stuff, but I believe that the Holy Spirit's gonna start putting a magnifying glass on the things to be thankful for. And when we start getting thankful, he's gonna start breaking the chains off of hopelessness, the chains off of discouragement, off of despair, off of depression, because as he magnifies where he's been, where maybe you and I missed it along the way, he's gonna convince us more than ever before, he's gonna be in the next place too. So we're gonna have our prayer team come up as we always do. If you need prayer in your life for anything at all, come on up as we worship. But I'm gonna pray for us right now and invite the Holy Spirit to bring in that, that, that gratitude magnifying glass in our few moments left together. Jesus, we do invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and magnify the things in our life that we have to be thankful for. And as you do it, would you make us a people of faith, looking towards the future, knowing that God is on the move and we're gonna be a part of it. So start right now in this moment. Break the chains off of hopelessness and despair and depression and discouragement and bring back the hope of God in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together, church.